Yeah, they gave me unit three. Yep. Okay. So, we on? Okay. So, uh, again, welcome tonight, and a little technical difficulty, but we're all good. So, hopefully, you have us tonight. And uh, uh, so, I was saying that if you are a member of HBF, this is our night to pray, and we do have in your inbox, you should have a a prayer list somewhere that you can uh, find from... Uh, the office this week, and uh, you can look over the details. So Sunday night's a great time to gather up the family and have a season of prayer uh, over the the things that you find on the prayer list. I'm not going to get into those at any length tonight, um, uh, other than there are some praises. We can praise the Lord, um, uh, and uh, we can also, we've added this week, and I mentioned this Wednesday, we've added some of the medical workers, and uh, not all of them are listed, so remember those that aren't. Uh, uh, there's uh, the ones that are um, uh, Devin Schindler, Denae uh, Sisson, um, and then Vicki Christopher and Jen Cox, but also Kendra uh, Laverne. She's constantly uh, on the uh, front lines as well as Brenda Fleshman. And, uh, and then I think uh, Stacy Vallejo is also actively involved uh, daily uh, with uh, COVID folks and other things. So just continue to pray for these that are part of our church family that are on the front lines as medical workers. And then... Um, uh, you'll see on your in your email there's some infirmities of uh, folks that are not our members. I'm not going to mention their names, um, but uh, be in prayer for them. And then um, we have a young man in in the church that uh, we have a praise that he thought he might have a, a serious uh, cancer in uh, his um, in his palate of his mouth, and uh, it appears that that is not the case after biopsy. That it's benign. So that is a gr- that's a great praise. Uh, and then of course we've. Uh, just want, want to remember those that are bereaved. Uh, you know, Tom Arney, Gwen Arney's uncle, passed away, and his aunt Carolyn, uh, out in North Carolina, is uh, bereaved there. And of course, the Arney family at the passing of his uncle. And then, of course, I've uh, just uh, heard yesterday that John Sarah, uh, a man, a missionary in Africa, has passed away. And uh, and so, for those of you that know John, he's been. Uh, uh, Randy, he hosted Randy and I, and Randy Foster spent a lot of time, Julie and Randy, uh, there in Zambia at Kafulafuta uh, with John and Lorna Sarah. And uh, last year, it was about two years ago now, I think in October or November, uh, his wife unexpectedly passed. So now they're without leadership there. So be praying. Of course, Brian Calloway and uh, uh, Tammy are very connected to that as well. They have just returned and and so, uh, and uh, no one's able to travel, so that's going to be a difficult situation for the family of the of, uh, of John and Sarah. So, a lot of things going on in the body of Christ. Continue to keep all those things in prayer. And uh, I just want to ask tonight: we're going to open up the Bible, and we're going to do a little bit of Bible preaching and Bible teaching in the book of Second Corinthians. So, we've been in the book of First Corinthians, but now uh, we're going to move on to Second Corinthians. And uh, we're going to be talking about the credible Christian life, which is really what we've been talking about on Sunday morning as well. And I'm going to have you turn to Second Peter uh, chapter 2 uh, before you get to Second uh, Corinthians. Second Peter chapter 2. And I want to just start there uh, as we look at Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 7. And once we, we do that, uh, then we'll have a word of prayer. Second Peter chapter 2 and... Uh, as you're, as you're turning there, uh, I just want to speak to you a little bit about the choices that we make. You know, we each have a desire, we each have a choice. Uh, a choice uh, today is to be carnal um, uh, and lose God's credibility or to, to follow the Lord and, and continue to live in the world and, 
and uh, reveal the credibility of Christ. So uh, which are we going to choose? It's really a choice. It, there's not a question, of course. We all want to honor the Lord. We should want to honor the Lord. Uh, both Abraham and Lot, they each established their testimonies among the communities in which they lived. Abraham chose to honor the Lord, and Lot chose uh, not to. And he didn't just go all, all the way in. And, of course, ultimately, Lot was, we know in Hebrews, he was just Lot, right? Vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. But it cost Lot a lot uh, to really to deviate from God's will. So Abraham, by faith, he produced a, a bloodline which would populate the universe. When you think about it, that's outstanding. It's amazing to think about. Um, where Lot lost every person close to him, with the exception of his two daughters. And, of course, they become the Moabites and become the enemies of God. Yet, uh, Lot was just. He was justified, and he did not suffer God's wrath. Only those who he failed to reach were destroyed. And, boy, if the Lord were to come back today, who is it that we care about that would be destroyed because we failed to reach them because maybe we were carnal when we need to be spiritual? That's a really good question to ask. And so I told you we're going to start in Second Peter 2. I want to just read to you Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 7. The Bible says there, And he delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. You see, this passage is found in Second Peter, and it's, uh, it's outstanding when you stop to think about it. How, how can Lot be just? How could he be justified? Well, the same way that we can be called a Christian, right? We can all ter- carry the title of Christian. Of course, a lot of Christians aren't even born again. But once you're born again, you are justified. We're justified because of the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. We're covered in His blood. And this evening, if you're born again, you're saved. You're set apart. Um, but just because our, our punishment for our sin has already been meted out on Jesus Christ on the cross... It uh, doesn't mean we walk by faith, right? Lot, he saw those, those fertile fields, right, in Sodom, and he decided, you know what, our, our, I need a good reason to move. So he decided, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and, and move on down there to the fertile fields. And so he did. And, uh, and, of course, we know what happened to Lot. At first he didn't move into Sodom, but then he eventually moved into Sodom. And then before you find Sodom being destroyed, he's sitting at the gate with the leaders of Sodom. And everybody... Uh, he's a man of influence in Sodom, supposedly, but yet he doesn't have enough influence on his family to get them out. Uh, when the Lord says, it's time to go, when the angels came and said, it's time to go, Lot, uh, only his wife begrudgingly went, and then, of course, his two daughters. So uh, good intentions are really not enough. You know, Lot ju- justified total compromise with good intentions. He was actually settling a rift between the herdsmen, right? That wasn't between Abraham and Lot. They loved each other, but the herdsmen weren't getting along. So they decided, well, let's just separate that. But he, you know, the decision was really given to Lot. Hey, where do you, what do you want? You think Abraham, the man that is the promised seed, would get the fertile ground. But no, Lot chose. He said, oh, let's go down here. This is a fertile plain uh, before it got nuked. Um, and so that's where he settled. And the issue all boils down to our adherence to God's Word. Tonight, as we begin our series in the book of 2 Corinthians, I want to take a quick inventory of our Christian credibility. Now, this is not going to seem to match the title, which the title tonight is dealing with overcoming carnality, and then you're going to, we're going to talk about finding comfort, which seems like it's totally unrelated, uh, but it's actually very related. It's actually, this is so appropriate to where we are in this country right now and, and everything going on. I just, it's divine, God's good hand has brought it about, but... 
Uh, do our thoughts, let me just ask a couple questions as we start off as a church family. And if you're joining us, by the way, we're glad. This is Heartland Baptist Fellowship. We're glad that you're here in Cass County, Missouri. My name is Brian Hedges. I'm pastor here. Um, but do our thoughts reflect what the Bible teaches? Do our thoughts reflect what the Bible teaches? And I can tell you, I'm a pastor here. Sometimes my thoughts reflect what the Bible teaches and sometimes they don't, you know. Uh, that's where the battle is raging, is in our mind, in our heart. And then everything works itself out from there. And that's ultimately where, where Lot ended up losing. And that's where we'll lose if we aren't diligent to follow the Lord. So that's the first question. Do our thoughts reflect what the Bible teaches? And this isn't on your outline. By the way, there is an outline. I know some of you are really hip on these outlines, so I've been putting outlines up and, uh, online. And, and uh, did you print one out? Do you have one? I didn't print one because I'm so used to everyone being, I am so sorry. Um, so we have essential people here that don't have an outline. That's my bad. I apologize. So we have fresh outlines. Uh, yeah, it's online. Uh, and so does our life reflect? The second question is, does our life reflect what we say we believe about the Bible, te- about what the Bible teaches? Right? So does our life reflect what we say we believe about what the Bible teaches? Not what we say someone else believes or what we, you know, or the position of, but what you say, what you say you believe about the Lord Jesus Christ, what you say you believe about the Bible, does, our, does your life, does my life reflect what I, I get up and this is really, you think about me as a preacher, there's a high standard for me. I'm up here all the time running my mouth about what the Bible says and what I say I believe about the Bible, but does my life reflect what, what I say about the Bible and what it teaches? And uh, you know what? For all of us, that's the standard. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor or not. But that's really what it boils down to. So let me give you an example of how this impacts our credibility. So if we carry our Bibles to church, you know, all the time, and of course nowadays people don't carry Bibles. I still carry the old blackback, you know, Cambridge. Or I mean, this is an Oxford. I prefer Oxford. Some people like Cambridge, whichever. But I like my Cambridge or my what's wrong with me? My Oxford, a wide margin Bible. And uh, you can tell my mind is weary. So <clears throat> I like my Oxford wide margin Bible. And uh, I like to, I, lo- I love it. I love my Bible. It's the Bible I carry when I carry my Bible. Uh, but does anyone ever see me read my Bible or do I just carry it? I'm always impressed by the people who they have their Bible on the dash or on the back of the car. And that's where it stays. Uh, they never use it. They never pick it up. It just fly, rides around with them everywhere they go, like a like a necklace, like a St. Christopher medal around their neck or what have you. And so uh, that's not what God intends. And so having a Bible isn't enough, right? We need to open it. We need to read it. We need to be living what we read. We, we say that we want to win people to Christ, yet uh, how's our testimony at work or at school, right, or in our community? Is it poor? I mean, are you laying on the horn every time you get a chance? Are you running people... Uh, you know, giving them, the, giving them the high sign, you know, and all those other things. I mean, hey, where's your testimony? Are you really reflecting? Am I really reflecting Christ? Um, you know, is it so poor that nobody in your community would ever believe that you're a Christian? I think we're going to be surprised, obviously, when we get to heaven. There's going to be a lot of people there that we were like, whoa, I didn't know you were saved. I didn't know that. And then there's some other people that we thought were saved that probably aren't going to be there. We're going to be like, hey, what happened? Where was... I think we're going to have a rude awakening uh, at the rapture of the church. Who's going to be there and who's not going to be there. Um, and so we say that we love Jesus, yet we, we, we have hate in our heart. That's been amazing for me to see, the folks that, that continue in bitterness and jealousy. They really don't ever find the, the, the healing they, that is available in Christ. I mean, they can talk the talk, but at the end of the day, 
they're wounded and they're hurt and they really have not really found peace with God. And I'm talking about Christians. I'm not talking about lost people. And so roots of bitterness develop and anger and, and malice and hatred and variance and emulation and all that stuff, right? It starts to well up and gets pussy and nasty. And next thing you know, it kind of bursts out on everybody and starts infecting people. And so, man, that's a shame when that happens. And, uh, and so, uh, man, we need to pray for folks that are looking for healing and help. And, and it boils down to really grabbing hold of what the Word of God has to say. We say that we love Jesus and then we hate. I mean, we can't hate our brother. You can't hate your brother. You just can't uh, because, well, it's your father's son. It's your, it's your father's daughter. And so, uh, so we say that we want to walk in the Spirit, yet we don't allow Jesus to be the Lord, right? Oh, I want to walk in the Spirit. I want God to have control of my life, but I ain't going to do that, you know. And, and let's be honest. I'm giving you a lot of scenarios here, pretty common. All of us struggle with this, you know. It's really our will, what we want, or what our flesh wants, Versus what God's will, this is his will and testament, what it says and what it wants. And so this, this, uh, this evening, I want to take and read um, some text this morning, or this evening. We're not going to get through uh, but 14 verses of it, Lord willing. I maybe not get that far, but I'm going to try tonight to get through the first 14 verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. That was just kind of my introductory thoughts, and I should probably stop right there. But first, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the Bible says... Um, the Apostle Paul writing, Second uh, Corinthians, and this is really the third epistle because he's already written one before First and Second Corinthians. So, um, but this is the second epistle that's in the canon. So it's called Second Corinthians, is it appropriately named. Um, and so Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and, Tim- and Timothy, our brother, under the church of God which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in all Achaia. So we see here that this church at Corinth is a key church for the region of Achaia, which is modern-day Greece. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it's for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the suffering, so shall ye... Uh, be also of the consolation, for we would not, brethren, have you be uh, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we were despaired even of life. But we had this sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raised the dead, who delivered us uh, from so great a death, and uh, and doth deliver in whom we trust that He will yet deliver us. Ye also, uh, helping together by prayer for us, that for the gifts, uh, gift bestowed upon us, that by, the mean, that by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. For uh, your rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshy wisdom, but with the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world, and more abundantly to you word. 
Or we write none other things unto you than that, that ye read or acknowledge, and I trust that ye shall acknowledge even uh, to the end, as also ye have acknowledged us in part, that we are your rejoicing, even as uh, uh, also are our <coughs> ye are also ours in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I just pray a blessing on the reading and the hearing of your word. Uh, this evening, I pray that we could apply this today and that you'd be glorified. Uh, Lord, thank you for giving us a word. Thank you for this epistle, the words that we just read about the Apostle Paul and his love for the Corinthians, a, a carnal church in many respects. But, Lord, he, he's, he's talking about his credibility in Christ and, and his uh, commitment uh, to, to the cross of Christ. Lord, may we learn from the Apostle Paul today. May we be a good example to those that we want to see follow you. We thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Paul comes and he and he uh, writes this text to this this church at Corinth. It's again, like I've mentioned, it's the second epistle in our New Testament, the third total that we know of. And so we got to ask ourselves, you know, do we stand by faith? Paul's saying, you know, we were we were in a situation where we were we were so tortured, we were ready to die. I mean, we we had no more strength left. But we have a greater victory than even physical death, so we're okay. This is all before he even went to Jerusalem and got imprisoned in Caesarea. So this guy's had quite a colorful life. You know, our faith uh, this evening is, does not rest on our membership. It doesn't rest on good works uh, or what others even believe. Our faith stands upon the Word of God, what it teaches. And that's exactly what Paul was standing on. What does the Word of God say? That's what we're trusting in. And he, he states in 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 24, For by faith you stand. And that's really the key verse. If you want a key verse for this chapter, I believe it, it is down in verse 24. Not for that we, we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy. For by faith ye stand. The Apostle Paul wanted to increase and build upon the faith of the saints at Corinth. And he starts off his introduction by talking about some of the sufferings that he endured and some of the tribulation that they were enduring. And he was really lending them uh, help. He wanted to help them in a time of need. And so are we really standing uh, this evening uh, or have we kind of laid down and allowed the world, the flesh, and the devil to run over us? You know, how do we restore credibility? Maybe those introductory questions that I asked, you didn't really grade very well in your heart. You're like, man, I'm really, I'm really a loser. You know, well, guess what? You can be a winner. My job today is to help build your faith. This evening, I'm going to give you a couple things. And I'm only going to get through the first of two things that are going to help transform our Christian walk from carnal to credible. And so the first one is finding comfort in Christ. Yep, that's right, finding comfort in Christ. The second one is placing confidence in Christians. And we won't get to that one tonight. But tonight I want to just talk to you about finding comfort in Christ. Now, when you think about a credible Christian life, why in the world do you need to find comfort in Christ? It may not make sense, but you need to hang with me for just a few more minutes because this is really important. If you have your uh, outline there, that's the first point. Find comfort in Christ. And we're going to talk about that. Point A is the credible Christian finds their comfort in the God of comfort. Second Corinthians 1, 1 through 4. The Apostle Paul makes it clear in his introductory remarks there in the first four verses that he's the God of all comfort. He says in, uh, in verse 3, Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, not some comfort, but all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith 
we are comforted of God. I think that's what it says. It is. And so, uh, so that's what the text says. And so what he's saying is that you don't endure tribulation unless God's going to use it to help someone else. So notice in 2 Corinthians 1.4, Paul is careful to make sure that God the Father is credited with providing the comfort. It's God the Father that provides comfort. He cares for us. Now, many of us would, would not think of comfort as a major point in being credible. But this is where I need you to pay attention, especially in the age in which we live in. Because it doesn't necessarily make sense at first. But when you think about it, it makes complete sense. Let me explain why it's so important as a Christian to find comfort in the Father and why it's so important for your credibility. Are you paying attention, right? Because this is important. Okay, so this is why. Because if, if the God of heaven is not your comfort, if he is not the source of your comfort, you're going to find someone or something else that is. Let's face it, a lot of people compromise integrity, not because they're evil people, because they're looking for comfort. You know what? That's why I like to eat food I shouldn't eat. It brings comfort. We even call it comfort food, right? We go to something other than God to fulfill our need. And so ultimately, we got to find that God is our comfort, our Father in heaven. And that's what the Apostle Paul is demonstrating, not just in his words, but in his deeds. And he's saying, hey, Corinth, I want to help you with your credibility. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce you to the God of all comfort. What a crazy thing. Who in the world would think that? Right, we would think if you want to help someone get credible, you're going to send them to boot camp. You're going to dress them down. You're going to break them down. You're going to build them back up. That's all part of discipleship and soldiering and getting ready to go to combat for Jesus. But at the end of the day, when Paul comes into the church of Corinth, he's already written them letters. They've already gone through a lot of carnal stuff. He says, hey, listen, guys, you need to make sure God the Father is the God. That's where you're getting your comfort. Because let's face it, on the, the, what's really wrong with people in carnality is that they've gone wrong in their heart. That's what we have, life issues ministry. We're opening up the church three days a week right now to, to minister to people in crisis and different needs. We had a young lady come by yesterday that uh, needed some help in a time of need. And you know what? In the Bible, where's the verse I'm, I'm, I'm stealing from is what the Bible tells us. When you need help, what's the Bible tell us? That you have an advocate. You have Jesus Christ. He is a high priest, and he's, he wants to help us get connected to the Father, the God of all comfort. So in any need, we have access to the throne, but so many times... When we want comfort, we go over here or we go over there or we turn on the television or we get into the music scene or we get into the, a lot of worse things, right? The alcohol, the drugs, the sex, the, you know, whatever, you name it. Whatever floats your boat, your flesh loves it. And you know what? We serve our flesh instead of serving the Father. So replace the F word in your life with Father, right? Not the flesh. You thought of something else. Replace it with Father in heaven. That's where your comfort comes from not your flesh or not any other f words but your father in heaven is where you want to find your comfort and that will give you credibility we got to understand that god the god of all comfort lives inside our bodies in first corinthians three 16, i'll just read this to you uh, it says i uh, know ye not that ye are the temple of god and ye are the spirit of god and i'm sorry and that the spirit of god dwelleth in you that's a big lesson that he taught him in the previous uh, in the previous book and letter that the spirit of God dwells in and that they're all unified. So where should the body find comfort? Well, in itself, in the book of Ephesians, we'll get to that on Wednesday night. He talks about how the body edifies and it builds itself in love. So being connected, that's why the church is thirsty right now to be connected. That's why I'm running around. I find I, I need Leela. Leela's a. Uh, right about middle in the back. I'll have to get a picture of that for her. But uh, her smiley face is back here. That's why she wants to see the smiley faces in the sanctuary because God makes us where we want to draw comfort, where we're supposed to draw comfort in the Word of God, 
in the fellowship of the believers, and of course before the throne of God, the Father in heaven. So where we find comfort is going to dictate a lot about our, our credibility. Because as a Christian, when we're not walking in the Spirit, you know what? We're going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. And when we fulfill the lust of the flesh, just go read in Galatians 5. It's ugly. It's so ugly that you can get arrested and go to jail for the rest of your life. And so it's bad what the flesh can do. So we got to make sure that we're walking in the Spirit. So second point regarding this issue of, of comfort, if you're following on an outline, is the credible Christian understands their comfort coverage. Like when you, comfort coverage, what's that all about? You know, when you think about everybody's watching the draft, it's like the only thing we're watching on television right now for some of us, other than MMA fights. Uh, but anyway, uh, anyway, so the God of all comfort you know, he's like got the kick coverage. He's got it covered. So let's talk about the God of all comfort. My son is wagging his head in the back saying, Dad, you're crazy. All right, so we, look not, we, look, we, we, we need not look anywhere else for comfort. Why? Because he's the comforter. So what covers you up? You know, when you get in bed in the winter night, you like to have a comforter, man. It just, it just brings you comfort. There's a reason we call comforters comfort. We don't call them big fluffy blankets. We call them comforters because they provide comfort. So we need to look for the comforter. We need to look for the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so why are we not comforted? If you have the comforter, why in the world does the heart grow cold? Uh, well, I can tell you why. Because you haven't been covering up with the comforter. Something has happened in our heart. And, uh, and we've got to do this. We have to. If you want to get the comfort from the comforter, you've got to cast all your care upon him. So you know, it's not like getting in the bed and snuggling under the comforter. The Bible says, you know what? I care about you, so this is what you need to do. First Peter 5, 7. Casting, you know, two-thirds of your care upon him because he kind of cares for you. That's not what it says at all. It's not what it says, Sharon. It says casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. He cares for you so much that there's nothing he's not willing to take. I mean, we've got to come to him from comfort. What kind of grace is that? Think about the Apostle Paul, the grace that he's, he's just spreading out to the church at Corinth. I mean, he's just bringing an abundance of grace to them, saying, guys, I, I just want to remind you of the God of all comfort. I mean, isn't that just, I mean, just think about that today with all the fear and the anxiety and all the tension. I mean, it's, it's a crazy season. But you know what? We serve the God of all comfort. And... I mean, really, you just can't, you can cast all your care upon him. You say, yeah, but what if I catch COVID and die? Well, you can cast all your care upon him. You know what? I mean, you might get promoted to heaven. Hallelujah. I'm not wanting anyone to die. But what if I get hit in a car wreck tonight? Well, you know what? I get to go to heaven. The question isn't, do, will I die? Of course I'll die or get raptured. The issue is, how am I living before that? What, what leads up to that point of departure where I'm done running my race and I'm finished my course? Have I been casting my care on the God of all comfort? Am I looking forward to going home to heaven because I know I've been running my race and I'm on course and I'm, I'm making good tr- traction toward heaven? Not because I'm earning my way to heaven. I've already got it. But what's my inheritance going to look like, right? Am I going to have a crown of glory to cast at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, a thank you token where I can say thank you, thank you, thank you for redeeming my soul. Here's my crown of rejoicing, man. Am I going to have, have I won anyone to Christ, right? Those are things, those are real things that today are kind of like, yeah, whatever, man, that's good preaching. But I tell you what, once we get before the throne of God, all of a sudden, it's going to be real. And if you're standing there saved, but you're naked and ashamed, and you have nothing to give back to the Lord in gratitude and honor and glory, when you're standing before the, the God of the universe that loves you so much that you finally realize he wasn't that dude up there with the stick ready to wrap you like your bad daddy, 
No, he's actually a very loving, gracious God that has been doing everything he can in his goodness to draw you to repentance so that you can be blessed by him so you'll have something to honor him with. And man, I tell you what, we're kind of crazy like that. I remember when I was a little boy, I was, I was uh, on Father's Day. I was going to this little Baptist church, and they had these egg cartons, and they wanted us to draw little pictures and stick them in. I was, so, I was just so obstinate. I'm like, I'm not doing this. My dad is worth more than an egg carton. So I had this weird thing in my head. I wanted to honor my dad with more. And uh, you know what? I look back on that, and I think that was some messed up kid. I don't know why I was like that. But the reality is, in a way, spiritually, don't we want to do that for God the Father? Don't we want to bring him our best? And we get to heaven and say, you know what, Lord, I, I've, I've done everything that you've called me to do. I've cast all my care upon you, not just some of it. The truth is, though, for many of us, and even the preacher here, there's times when we really aren't. You know, we're not batting a thousand. And that's why you've got to rest in the God of all comfort, because he still loves you. You've got to really know his character. A lot of people don't know God the Father's character. If God the Father was this guy who wants to just throw you into the lake of fire, well, I've got news for you. You'd be thrown in the lake of fire. But that's not who he is. He, he sent his only son as your advocate and propitiation. And my advocate and propitiation for sin. Why? Because he's that good and that kind and that loving. And he's also that just and his wrath will come and it will completely consume everything. And he wants to get you out of the way if possible. So if we're full of the spirit, we'll not have room to be full of care. You know what? We'll, be, we'll care for nothing. We'll be careful for nothing as a matter of fact. When we're full of the spirit, we, Paul's like, you know what? We despaired of life. He's like, I'm human. I didn't think I was going to live, but praise the Lord, I knew I'd die and go to heaven. I cast all my care on him. It doesn't mean you enjoy the journey in every step of the way. There's difficulty, you know. Uh, But at the end of the day, you know you're okay. God gives you comfort. It comes from the comforter, and that's where we cast all of our care. So the next point in your outline, the credible Christian expresses consolation in Christ to others. The credible Christian expresses consolation in Christ to others. And that's really what Paul's doing in verses 4 through 9, right? He's, he's bringing it down to those guys saying, hey, you know what? I want to encourage you in the Lord. He comforted us in all our tribulation. We've read that. Verse 5, he says, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our con- consolation also aboundeth by Christ. Because we've suffered so much, God has brought us so much comfort, now we've got some leftovers to give to you guys. How about that? Isn't that how you can never outgive God? So we're comforted to comfort or console others. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, You saw it happen. If you're a member of HBF, you actually, this is a reality. You've seen this happen just a few weeks back, right? We have our associate pastor, Randy Foster, one of our pastors, he's dealing with a terrible cancer situation. And the first time he gets a chance to address the congregation, he gets up here. And what's he preach on? Comfort. He's going through a terrible situation. But what did God provide Pastor Randy with? an abundance of comfort so he could bring comfort to us because you can't outgive God. That was an outstanding message. You should go back and watch it. The reason God allows us to experience discomfort is so that we can rely on the Spirit of God to comfort us. And when we do, he gives abundantly. In 2 Corinthians 1.4, he says that, <clears throat> that we may be able to comfort them that are in any trouble. You know, we have a PTSD ministry, and we got labels for things where people are suffering. We're trying to reach them because that's the acronyms that we use in the language of the world. But in the end of the day, the, the truth is, let me just let you know a little secret. The truth is, is we believe 2 Corinthians 1.4. We do. You say, well, Brian, I know how veterans are. Well, Brian, you've never been in combat. I know you're right, but you know what? I've had a, I've had a veteran that suffered with PTSD tell me that the ministry is just like combat. 
And so I don't know if that's true, but I've seen some pastors that suffered from some serious issues. You know what? Life is traumatic. Let's just face it. It doesn't matter. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do want to be careful here on what I'm about to say about PTSD because I know real people that are really afflicted with PTSD. It is a real issue. I don't want to minimize it, especially for those that are extremely affected. Uh, When you go in and uh, things go wrong morally in the middle of a combat situation, it messes you up sometimes the rest of your life. And so it's very difficult to deal with. So I want to, that's a little parenthesis in what I'm about to say because I don't want to minimize those guys and those gals that have been in those situations at all. And you need help, and we're here to help you. My point is, though, is that all help is available. I promise you in the Word of God, it's not because of me. The Word of God promises that He is the God of all comfort. So it is possible for the worst situations to be aided and helped, and the God of all comfort can help you in any trouble. When you look at all the trauma that the Apostle Paul himself experienced, how is it that that guy could, like we taught this morning in Acts chapter 20, how can a guy like that get up with complete soberness and clarity and charity and have a great disposition? All that, how, that's God has done that. I mean, he should have been checked in somewhere on Valium. I mean, after all the things that he's been through, he should have been taking heavy doses of drugs to get through the day, man. I mean, but at the end of the day, the God of all comfort. That's what he's talking about, man. There's, I've been through things that are traumatic. I thought I was going to die, but the God of all comfort. And now I'm here to give you comfort in any trouble. Now, a guy like Paul, he can talk about that. I, I'm not going to say I've even touched the things that he's experienced. But, man, praise the Lord. Isn't it awesome when you see God restore somebody and they're not a victim? They're a victor. I, th- I love seeing that. God is really the God of all comfort. So in verses 6 and 7, Paul goes on to say, and, and whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation. See, Paul knows that when whatever's going on, God has a purpose. And salvation... There's a greater purpose, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that ye also are partakers of the suffering. So shall ye be also with the consolation. So Paul says now in Achaia here and in, in, in the regions around Corinth and in Corinth, you guys have come up against some suffering. But we know that God is faithful. So you're going to have consolation because when you're a Christian and you love the Lord Jesus, he will provide consolation. This passage repeats the theme that our afflictions are comforted by the Holy Ghost so that we may comfort or console others who are suffering. So 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, right? Don't be silly. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He's not a roaring lion. He's a serpent. But he likes to act like one. And he will destroy you. So, knowing that the same whom resist, resist him in the faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And so God allows us to suffer afflictions because our responses will teach others a lesson on how to respond. Isn't that incredible? So God will allow us to suffer He'll allow Pastor Randy to suffer so Pastor Randy can get up here in front of us all and show us what it's like to respond biblically and properly. It's an amazing thing. I've seen that here at Heartland several times. I watched Joe Sparks, man. Joe Sparks was quite an example to us on a man who knew how to suffer. I was raised, my father actually, I'll give my father a lot of credit. My dad was a, a, dealt with a lot of pain in his life from my whole life. He was He was plagued with different aches and pains and problems and you know what? He, was, he didn't complain, and he continued 
uh, forward. You know, I, I look at a guy like Joe Sparks, a guy who had bladder cancer in, in days. It was hard for him to get out of bed and function. And he was out here at this church. Just his example, his presence was comforting. It was encouraging because I knew he was in incredible pain and anguish. And you know what? When he prioritized the Lord and he prioritized our, his presence among us, you know what he was doing is he was bringing consolation. Because someday we know we might get in his situation or worse. A man who was on Okinawa, a man who's seen the, literally the worst physical warfare on the planet in his lifetime and lived to tell about it before he even met Christ. A guy that's got th- had things on his conscience that we can't even imagine that he had to live with, that only Christ could comfort him in. And yet in the last days of his life, he did everything in his power to get up and get here and sit among us so he could say, this is what Jesus looks like. I've got an abundance of consolation, and I want to give it to you all. So I hope no one missed the message. Joe Sparks was quite a living epistle. Man, what an incredible man we had in our presence. And he's in heaven now. He's like a great cloud of witnesses, and he's up there rooting us on, saying, go, go, go. He's up there pumping that fist. And so, you know, I've learned that both good and bad from those who God has placed in my life. David was wiser than his teachers, the Bible says. In Psalms 119 and verse 99, the Bible says, I have more understanding than all my teachers for the testimonies are my meditation. You know, David was able to watch uh, Saul blow his potential, just absolutely self-destruct as a leader. While David was learning from Saul's mistakes, God was comforting him in all his affliction. You know, David went through a lot of stuff at the hands of Saul. And by God's grace, David never struck back at Saul. And God gave him comfort. He learned that, you know what, I've got to go to God of comfort. And so he could learn to get pity upon Saul. So that when he was the king, right... He understood. You remember what happened to that young man that said, uh, hey, I killed Saul. Saul, He's like, oh, really? You don't touch the Lord's anointed. That guy was gone, right? Because David honored the office. So God was comforting him in all his affliction. It was manifest that the hand of God was on David because he found his comfort in the God of peace and mercy. So in 1 Samuel 30, in verse 6, David said, uh, and David was greatly distressed for the people's sake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I remember one time I was kind of down in the mouth. I was just thinking about this today because I was talking uh, to uh, Mark Lockwood about uh, Pastor Jeff Adams. When I was a young man in shepherd school, I don't remember what I was going through. I was emotionally kind of in the dumps. And I was walking down the hall and Jeff Adams says, hey, how's it going? Like, well, you know, and he's like, he just looked at me. He didn't mess around. He's like, well, encourage yourself in the Lord, man. And he just kept on going, man. He was not going to give me any, he wasn't going to pat me on the head or, you know, hug me. He's just like, hey, it's time to soldier up, pal. Encourage yourself in the Lord. But you know what? That was comforting. Because uh, actually when he said that, I kind of snapped me too. I'm like, you're right. I, this is battle time. I need to get my act together. So when we find, when we find comfort in the scripture, we, ha- we, have a, we have a roadmap to lead others to comfort. In 1 Corinthians 15 uh, you know, verses 1 through 7. I'm not going to, I don't want to read all that, but I do want to just look at a couple places in that text. In chapter 15 and verse 4, uh, just a few pages back in your Bible to Romans. In, in chapter 15, the Word of God says in verse uh, 4 and 5, it says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now, the God of patience and consolation, same words that are being written in Second Corinthians, grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. And then down in verse 7 it says, Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. So First Corinthians, or for Romans chapter 15 and verse 7 makes it clear that we should suffer uh, for those who don't appreciate our sacrifice. Receive them, not as outcasts, as Christ has received us. 
and that will bring glory to God. That means people don't have to meet your standards for you to receive them. Man, because you'll find out in life there's going to be people who are going to disappoint you. But you know what? If you get caught up in that and you don't find your comfort in God, you'll get bitter. You'll get hateful. And it'll start to infect people. Instead of, instead of bringing the grace of God to people, you'll bring, you will instead bring bitterness and death. So it's so important how we handle relationships. And that's really what Paul's talking about. In Romans chapter 15, 2 Corinthians if there's anyone that could be a little bit sideways with the Corinthians, it would be the Apostle Paul. What kind of credibility do we have to the lost when we can't even get among our, when we can't get along among ourselves? Think about that. What kind of testimony is it to the world when Christians can't even forgive one another? The very thing they only get two ordinances here: baptism and the Lord's Supper. When we can't live out the Lord's Supper, think about the Lord's Supper. Have you ever thought about that? Their whole per- one of the things that Jesus is doing here at the Lord's Supper is having dinner with everybody but John who's going to betray him. <laughs> or I shouldn't say betray him. Everyone's going to leave him except for John. And he is going to be betrayed literally by Judas Iscariot. And so, I mean, who does he have supper with? Everybody that's going to leave him. What's that tell you? Jesus brought them all back together. Why? Because he's the God of all comfort. And even Peter who says, you know, I can't do this anymore. I'm not worthy. What did Jesus do? He sat down and he says, hey, let's have a comfort meal. Let's have some comfort food. You know, we're going to have some, some fish and some bread here on the side of the shore, and I'm going to build him back up so he can get back in the ministry. Fifty days later, he's preaching the best message of his life. Maybe tonight you feel like, man, Brian, I just don't deserve to be in the ministry. But you know what? It's a good thing none of us deserve it. It's God's grace, right? God wants you in the ministry. God wants to use you. God wants you. It hasn't got anything to do with your merit. God wants you. If you're breathing, it's not over. If you're done breathing, it's over. But right now, if you're breathing, you're alive. God has a purpose for your life. Get back in God's perfect will. Believe God in his grace and get the comfort you need from God so that you can go forward in faith. You've got to believe that he loves you and he's forgiven you. What kind of credibility do we have to the lost world when we can't get along with one another? Man, it's terrible. And so, um, and so we, we can't we got to be careful. Sometimes uh, you have to put other. You have to put. Uh, uh, sometimes you have to put other trouble into perspective. In verses eight and nine, uh, this t- passage says, "For we uh, would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we have the sense of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead." And this is a serious trouble situation that Paul points out. It's so serious that he's like, man, we're ready to die. You know, scholars debate which instance Paul's referring to in 2 Corinthians. Uh, but one thing is certain from the evidence in the, in the history book of Acts, Paul's ministry was met with real, real opposition. You can go back in Acts 19 and verse 23, look at Demetrius and and the Brotherhood of Local 555 and the Silversmith Labor Union and the situations that he was facing over there, man. Paul was into it. He had some real opposition from the Jews in Acts 20 and verse 3. They wanted to kill Paul. Uh, we, I mean, the stuff that we're talking about on Sunday morning, Paul was running up at a real opposition, stuff that was life or death. In 1 Corinthians 15.32, Paul mentions uh, a time when he and Titus were fighting with men like beasts. I mean, <laughs> Paul had real opposition to the gospel. And uh, it was entirely possible that Paul was describing incidents that are not even recorded anywhere in our New Testament. We find out Paul was shipwrecked and all kinds of things happened we don't even have records of. Paul was an incredible man of God, and, and he faced a lot of difficulty. And you know what? 
it was so serious that he had, you know what, all I can do is trust the Lord because I'm going to die, you know, and he had that sentence of death in himself. So the next time I'm feeling sorry for myself or you're feeling sorry for yourself and you want to justify walking in the flesh, remember the words of Hebrews chapter 12. I just mentioned this a moment ago. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He despised the shame, right? Despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Blessed should be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. You know, God, the the Bible Christianity is really not for wimps. You do have to be committed to the point of death, actually. In most places in the world, it's still that way. 2 Corinthians 1, 9, Paul faced such persecution that he was resigned to death. Uh, there's people that we know right now, people in our church body that are resigned to death. It looks like the only other option is death. And some of them, that will be the path they cross. But what a great thing to know that even when we have to go ahead and go on through death's door, that on the other side, we get eternal life. I mean, that's the only comfort that can come from God the Father. So either we're going to die for the cause or we're well like a flower without water. In Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 10, the Bible says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. So some Christians are, are not so, so green at spiritual battle uh, or so carnal that they actually think that, that flesh and blood or other people are their adversaries. So they understand that they don't really wrestle flesh and blood. Paul didn't faint in trials and afflictions because he understood he already had the victory if he allowed the comforter to control his life. So if you find that you want to go to war with a brother, just, just know this, you've already lost the fight. When it's time to go to war with your brother, you've already lost the fight. Satan has you on your back and he's about to squeeze the life out of you. But the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 10, Be strong, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against, uh, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You've got to know who you're really fighting, and you're really fighting uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. So the next point you have on your outline is the credible Christian is comforted in Christ's reward. And uh, I think I'm going to, I need to, I need to hold up there because we have, well, no, no, I'm about done. So hang on, let me finish this point. We'll be done. I'm sorry, guys. So the last point for tonight is the credible Christian is comforted in Christ's reward. Let's look at verse 10 and then we'll wrap this up. So uh, who delivered us from so great a death and death deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Yet are ye also helping together by prayer for us that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks to be given to many on our behalf. So Paul starts talking about that gift. But God already delivered us from so great a death that it pales in comparison to anything that we suffer in this life. There's not any trouble the gospel has not solved. So as we see uh, God deliver us, it builds our confidence and comfort in the future and the opportunities to glorify God through him. So the, the experienced yet young shepherd uh, and future King David said in 1 Samuel seventeen thirty seven, he said, The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he shall deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He learned that. David knew that before he ever stepped up to fight Goliath, and he was just a young man. Paul still had enough tough trials in store for him because his, well, that was his call, to suffer for Christ. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 13, Ananias said, Answer the Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he had done to the saints at Jerusalem, and he hath the authority of the chief priest to bind and call on thy name. 
<clears throat> but the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. You've been hearing me say that on Sunday morning. On verse 16 he says, For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul was called to suffer. You see, God saw uh, Paul through every trial until his race was complete. Paul experienced the truth that God would never leave him nor forsake him. And as he wrote his last epistle to his, man, his key disciple who's joining him in Corinth in this epistle, he mentioned him in the introduction. He said in verse 16 of chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it be not laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so our comfort actually comes from the credibility of God. You know, if you want credibility, you've got to go to God. He's the God of all comfort. When we don't find comfort in God, you know what? We look for comfort somewhere else, and it ruins our credibility. And so let's make sure that when we need comfort, we go to the right place, and we go to the God of all comfort. He can supply all our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So overcoming carnality with credibility first, find comfort in Christ. When we get together next week, we're going to talk about placing confidence in Christians. That's scary for some of you. And that's why you need to come back and join us as we talk about that next week. But tonight, that's what I got for you. And uh, I don't have a whole lot of announcements other than you'll, mention, you'll notice this morning that I, uh, I hope that was a blessing to you. This morning I noted that, uh, that uh, uh, we're going to have a Next Steps meeting. If you're watching us online or maybe you know somebody that's been watching us online and they're interested on their next step, um, I don't care if they're a Christian, not a Christian, whatever. They're just interested. What is it? What do I need to do? What is my next step? May 3rd, I'm going to have at 1 o'clock, I'm going to have an online meeting for anybody that's interested. Uh, please get with me and them and get us connected with their email address. And, uh, and I'll invite them to a meeting for what's called Next Steps. And we'll take them where they're at and get them, uh, get, inform them at least of God's will for their life, whether it be salvation, baptism, uh, church membership, etc., and we'll get them going in God's perfect will so that they can accomplish God's mission and God's power for God's glory. So uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, are there any comments or things that coming in the, the computer that I need to address? Any questions? I have one more thing to announce. So as you're looking for that, um, if there's anybody that's if there's anybody watching, the weather is pretty nice. Maybe nobody probably out mowing the lawn right now. But the reality is that uh, uh, tonight um, we just had a pastor meeting. We're talking about you know, how we're going to prepare uh, to do church with whatever parameters were given um, uh, from the, the governor. Uh, to hopefully tomorrow he comes out with that, if not tomorrow, hopefully by Tuesday at the latest. So we'll be hearing about that, and then we'll formulate a, a plan that can be articulated. But just know that we're praying about that. We're, we're praying that God would get us opened up by August completely, 100%. And so we'll have an incremental plan, Lord willing, um, uh, you know, with stages to get us there. And hopefully it parallels whatever the government's doing. So we're going we're gonna, to uh, be preparing toward that end as well. So be praying for that. That would be a helpful thing to pray for as well. Because that's going to require for all of us to continue to adjust and do different things and so on and so forth. And, uh, and uh, that's a good place where you know, we can get a little uncomfortable and get comfort from the God of all comfort. So we can consolate, uh, give con- uh, consolation to other people. See, that's how that works. So uh, any comments back there, Ray? All right, well, thank you folks for joining us tonight. We're going to go to prayer here. 
uh, our small uh, SWAT team, our, SWAL, our small special forces prayer warriors here. And uh, I'd ask you guys to help join with us in that. And uh, remember the, the, the list. And uh, there's, <clears throat> there's one that's not on this Wednesday list that's come up. Um, and I'm not, I don't want to necessarily get into the details tonight. But just be praying. Some of our church members are, are enduring some things. Remember the barns. They're going to be delivering twins this week, um, uh, probably by Caesarean. Um, and so uh, or I'm not sure if it's Caesarean or induction, but however they're going to do it. It is Caesarean. And so uh, I want to thank the Passpoint Adult Bible Fellowship. I got to see the fruit of your, your investment in the Barneses. And, uh, man, praise the Lord. You guys are filling up their freezer with food and gifts piled high. It's amazing all the things that you guys are doing in the body of Christ for one another. So continue to, you know what, edify one another in love. That's what really grows. That's what glorifies God, and that's what grows, grows the body. And it is good. Every time you bless a brother or sister like the church did that parade thing on my birthday. That was so sweet. Those things are just so encouraging as we can encourage one another. It continues just to, to build the body of Christ and edify each other in love. That, that love and that comfort comes from God. And, uh, man, he's building his church regardless of uh, whether we're physically able to be in the room. But, man, when we get back together, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be like when we get caught up in the air and we get to see all our loved ones again. I've been seeing all those pictures that Leela Burton's been posting of her family. And, man, she's going to be looking forward someday to seeing her family again. And uh, that's a longing. As they used to say, absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? And so by God's grace, uh, our love quotient will continue to go up, and, uh, and that'll be good. So remember what I just said about comfort, right? So when you do get torqued and you get twisted and things aren't going the way you want, remember who to go to for comfort, right? You don't go to the bottle. You don't go to pornography. You don't go to um, wherever you want to go. You don't go to the, the refrigerator <laughs> and eat yourself into oblivion, uh, right? We go, we'll go to the God of all comfort, right? And that's why we're sober. That's why we're temperate. That's why we're meat for the master's use. We're ready to be used by the master because God in any circumstance can bring us the comfort we need in any trouble. So that's the message tonight. Come back next week and we'll talk about how we interact with one another. Thank you for being here. God bless you. I'll have a benediction prayer and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to meet. Thank you for all those that joined us and those that are giving thanks for the opportunity to meet virtually tonight. We want to thank you for your word. It is true. It is incredible. It is rich. It is deep. It is full. And thank you for your grace to us. Thank you for loving us so much and giving us your word and your wisdom. We pray a blessing now on uh, all the things that are planning. I'm looking forward, Lord, to maybe being able to open up life issues again to some degree, open up the adult Bible fellowships, hopefully, to some degree. Lord, I'm looking forward to maybe being able to do church in the park uh, Lord, and things like that in June. And Lord, we just pray, God, that uh, as we look forward to those things that we don't forget right now, Lord, just use us right where we are today and tomorrow. Help us to be good witnesses and good testimonies and powerful witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ during this time. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.